gold standard. Welcome to the Dr. Hedberg Show for cutting-edge practical health information. For the latest articles, videos, and podcasts, visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com. The information in this show is intended for educational purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional before attempting anything recommended in this program. And now, here's Dr. Hedberg. Well, welcome everyone to the Dr. Hedberg Show. This is Dr. Hedberg, and I'm very excited today to have my good friend and colleague, Dr. Isabella Wentz, on the show. She's been on the podcast before, and I'm excited to have her on today. So, Dr. Wentz, thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Hedberg. I'm a huge fan of your work, and it's an honor to be here with you. Great. So for those who who don't know about you, why don't you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you've been working on and your new book that's coming out? Sure. So um, I'm a pharmacist by training. And um, in full disclosure, I wasn't interested in the thyroid until I became diagnosed myself with Hashimoto's after almost a decade of some pretty confusing symptoms. So I had fatigue and I had, um, I had pain all over my body, acid reflux, hair loss, brain fog, and you pretty much named the thyroid symptom. I had it, but it had gone on undiagnosed. I um, was a pharmacist and was super excited about taking medications for my thyroid once I found out that I had a thyroid condition. But um, unfortunately, they only helped a tiny bit. At that point, I realized there was something else going on in my body, and I wanted to figure out if, if there was anything I can do to help myself, one, feel better, and two, potentially reverse the condition. And that's sort of how I became a Hashimoto's expert slash human guinea pig was really through my own journey with Hashimoto's and having a lot of different symptoms that nobody seemed to be able to solve. Um, my official bio is that I um, am an author of multiple books on Hashimoto's. One of them is Hashimoto's Thyroiditis, Finding and Treating the Root Cause. This was published in 2013. And then Hashimoto's Protocol, a 90-day plan for reversing thyroid symptoms and getting your life back. So this has been really my life's work is to help people with Hashimoto's take back their own health after being able to do so myself. I have a brand new book coming out, Hashimoto's Food Pharmacology. And this is really focused on nutrition, nutrition protocols, and then healing recipes to help people really kind of do it themselves. I know that there's a lot of forward movement for thyroid health in the world of functional medicine, um, but not everybody has access to an excellent functional medicine provider like Dr. Hedberg, for example. And there's a lot of things that people need to do in their own day-to-day life to take back their health. And part of that is nutrition. So my, my new book is focused on helping you take back your own health and being your own nutrition guru when you have Hashimoto's. That's fantastic. So most of my listeners have Hashimoto's. So why don't we, for those who don't really know that much about it, can you give us kind of an overall view of what exactly Hashimoto's is and and all the different statistics related to that? Sure. So Hashimoto's is one of the, is probably the top autoimmune condition, the most common autoimmune condition worldwide. For those that don't know what it is, it's actually um, 
the immune system starts to recognize the thyroid gland as a foreign invader and begins to launch an attack against the thyroid gland. And this eventually leads to um, the thyroid gland not being able to produce enough thyroid hormone and really goes along with a lot of different symptoms. So people will have problems with brain fog. They'll have problems with a weight gain. They'll have problems with fatigue. A lot of times they'll have hair loss, cold intolerance. And really when we think about what the thyroid does is it generates heat and energy within our bodies and um, dictates the metabolism throughout our entire body. So anything could be affected, whether this might be, you know, loss of hair from our scalp or cold extremities or uh, potentially having easy bruising on the skin because we're not, our metabolism isn't working properly. These are just some potential thyroid symptoms. Um, looking at the statistics, we seem to have more and more cases of Hashimoto's every year. It's not just because we're diagnosing it more, it also seems to be more prevalent. Uh, anywhere from you know, different statistics are out there anywhere from one in three or, you know, one in five women may have this condition at some point in their lives. Mm. Yeah. So there's uh, 300 million Americans, I believe at this point, and, and about 35 million have Hashimoto. So that's huge. And probably more than that, like you said, because a lot of these women and men go go undiagnosed. So, so as you said, you have Hashimoto's and so you've, I've read your books and you have this journey that you went through. There's probably people listening who are kind of in the beginning of that journey or in the middle of it. So can you talk about what you went through and, you know, your signs and symptoms, the, the diagnosis and the treatments that you went through? Wow. Yeah. So I started off having symptoms, uh, you know, the further I look back, probably as early as, as, you know, three years old, I started having panic attacks. I was exposed to Chernobyl when I was living in Poland, but that's where I grew up. Um, and then kind of things calmed down again until about puberty when I started having a lot of symptoms of depression. My mom was a pediatrician and she thought there was something going on with my thyroid, but <clears throat> We went to have it tested, and, and everything came back normal. Um, it, I kind of was, was always one of those kids that tended to be a bit moody until <clears throat> I was about 18. I ended up having an um, Epstein-Barr virus in my first year of undergrad, and after that point, I just could not get out of bed for months. I was exhausted. Um, and that kind of started off my thyroid journey, the, the official journey for trying to seek out what was going on. Because the things prior to that were, you know, stomach aches and they were maybe some moodiness. But I just thought that was a normal part of being human. Um, it wasn't, you know, until I started getting the fatigue and then that, that was followed by irritable bowel syndrome, eventually acid reflux, hair loss, palpitations, um, panic attacks. Um, let's see what else, carpal tunnel in both arms. I had all of these different things, kind of quote unquote, small, annoying things that were just breaking my body down. I was started to look for answers and trying to figure out, okay, what is going on with me? Why am I like this? Why do I have to sleep 12 hours when everybody else can, um, who's my age can sleep for seven to eight hours and be bright eyed and bushy tailed. And why am I losing hair? 
Why am I always so cold? And that eventually led me to figure out I had Hashimoto's through going to numerous doctors and asking for different tests. And um, I started on thyroid hormones, which I thought were going to be, you know, my cure all right. And within, within a few weeks, I started to feel better slightly. So I only needed one sweater into, instead of two sweaters in Southern California. And then I was able to sleep for, you know, 10 or 11 hours instead of 12. So that was an improvement. But then I still had the carpal tunnel, then I still had acid reflux, IBS, and all of these other things going on. And I just, I really just um, started to peel back the layers one by one. I was a, a, a research pharmacist for people with the rare conditions at the time. And I was helping these people take back their health um, through some unusual means that weren't part of the standard of care, spending a lot of time in, in, the, um, <clears throat> in the research world, and decided to do the same thing for myself. And I've tried a lot of different things. Some of them were scary and silly. Some of them didn't work. Um, coconut oil did not cure my thyroid, unfortunately. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the things that did work were gluten and dairy removal. Within three days, I was able to eliminate the carpal tunnel syndrome, the irritable bowel syndrome, and all of the bloating and the acid reflux. And I had those conditions for you know anywhere from like one to ten years. And so that was a really, really big component of what helped me. I eventually went on to treat some um, infections that I had in, in my gut and um, reactivated Epstein-Barr virus and looked at toxins and just did a whole body makeover with through functional medicine. But really the corner store of what got me to heal um, was focusing on my diet and nutrition. And it was simply removing some things that were not working for my body and then adding other things that my body was deficient in. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a, it's an interesting journey that you went through and you got everything in balance and then you wrote your first book and then your most recent book is Hashimoto's protocol. And that was a, it's a 90 day plan for getting better. A lot of people um, get better following that. Some of the, a fair amount of the new patients that I see, they, um, you know, they've read your work and they're already doing better just following that. But now you have another book, Hashimoto's Food Pharmacology. And so this is focused more on food and what the, the term we use is food as medicine. And how did you, you know, come up with this this idea of writing a book just focusing on food pharmacology? Well, one of the, one of the big things is, um, you know, one of, one of my big goals, and I have a, interest, a bit of an eclectic background as a pharmacist, but I worked in a bit of um, consulting research as well as public health and really looking at how do we get this information out to people so they can help themselves. And, um, you know, I feel like to really impact impact healing in a big way, we need to educate the practitioners and we need to educate the patients and, and everybody should be empowered. There are certain things that people can do on their own, um, such as change their diet and nutrition and cha change a lot of their inputs. And there are some things that they need to do with the practitioner. Um, a lot of times it's treating the infections and toxins, unless, unless they're like super biohackers, then you know, a lot of times we're going to want to work with practitioners. But I love the idea of giving people the 
the, the tools they can utilize on their own. So they just can go to practitioners to tweak things with, with food pharmacology. Um, my, my whole kind of concept and thought process is people expect medications to be a cure all. They expect just this one pill to completely change all of the messaging in their bodies. You know, our, our bodies are a complex system of different neurotransmitters and hormones and different messages that get sent all around. And a medication is going to send out some messages, but, um, and you know, there, some medications are problematic and not appropriate, but other medications are greatly beneficial and send out healing messages like thyroid hormones. Uh, low-dose naltrexone is another one. Um, but if we just have these two healing messages and then we've got all these other messages for example, if you're eating gluten, your body's not reacting well to that. That's going to send an inflammatory message to your body. Um, if you don't have enough of a certain nutrient, that's going to tell you, that's going to prevent your body from producing anti-inflammatory responses. And really, the the basis of pharmacology is how different substances interact with our bodies. And so we're trying to figure. What I'm trying to do is give people a way to basically flood the system with healing messages. Um, and, and that's what food does. And that's what nutrients do. They can give our system all these little tiny messages, right. Mm -hmm. To, to heal um, in very, very simple terms. And that's kind of what I, that's, that's the concept behind it. Yeah. There's a lot of different diets out there. I would say the most popular one for Hashimoto's is of course the autoimmune paleo and, uh, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. And then there are other diets that, that people are promoting. But I think the most important thing is the, really the individual foods and a lot of people rather than the diet. So why don't we give our listeners uh, some specific foods that you think are especially helpful for those who have Hashimoto's? For a lot of people, um, the two big foods that are really easy to introduce into the diet and that that pack a lot of uh, nutrient density are going to be green smoothies and bone broth. I, um, like I said, I have a bit of an uh, outcomes research background and public health background, so I, I get a little bit nerdy and I used to try to collect all of the outcomes and things that worked within my clients, and then I eventually started doing that for my readers. And 68% of people have said that they find green smoothies to be helpful. So 80% um, of people will say that they give them more energy. 60% will say their mood improves and 40% will notice benefits for weight. And um, this is quite impressive because these are some of the top symptoms that people complain about when they have a thyroid condition, right? When they have Hashimoto's and just introducing a green smoothie into your life can do that. Now, one of the reasons is because this will help to increase our intake of nutri nutrient-dense foods. So we're going to utilize lots of uh, great veggies, and we're going to chop them up really nicely so they'll be easier to absorb. Um, and then also it's going to give us a break from digestion, so our bodies are not going to need to spend all this energy on digesting. And just, just so everybody knows, the green smoothies I recommend are not like, you know, like they're not full of sugar. I'm recommending using uh, maybe four to six different types of veggies like 
celery, carrots, um, avocado is a fruit, but we can utilize that and maybe a serving of berries with, um, with potentially like a coconut milk base, as well as a clean protein powder. And, and that will keep our blood sugar stable throughout the day. This could be utilized for breakfast every morning. People will say they feel significantly better just with, with that little addition. And it's wonderful because you throw everything into a blender and you can be out the door. You don't have to spend you know, hours cooking your breakfast. Um, and then bone broth. Bone broth has collagen and various types of nutrients to support the gut lining, support the skin, support the hair. 70% of people have been uh, with Hashimoto's will say that adding bone broth into their diet, they see noticeable results. So they'll say <clears throat> they have more energy. That's about 60%. About the same, we'll see an improvement in mood and about 30% will see an improvement in hair and skin. We also have a subset of people who will say like, oh, wait, my joints don't hurt as much. And so this is something that um, for, for me, I, you know, I don't spend a lot of time cooking nowadays that I have a little, um, a little child to take care of. But you can just throw in um, some carrots, celery, onion, and maybe apple cider vinegar with some bones or chicken drumsticks, top it off with, with some water and let that cook in a pressure cooker or slow cooker while you do something else. And then just add some sea salt to that and sip on it throughout the day. It's super, super easy. Doesn't require you to be a, a you know, a professional chef doesn't require you to spend your entire day in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Those are definitely two of my favorites. And then they can add the protein powder to the green smoothie and the bone broth has some uh, pretty, pretty powerful gut healing nutrients. So those are some great recommendations. And also the thyroid is so uh, heavily dependent on minerals. So they're going to get some extra minerals from the bone broth. Um, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what about foods like gluten, dairy, soy, you talked about, you know, gluten and dairy made, made the biggest difference. When I'm working with a patient, um, sometimes we'll go, you know, into like a full elimination or autoimmune paleo type diet right away. If they're under a lot of stress and, and a diet, it just seems like it's going to cause a lot of problems and more stress than, than I'll usually just start with say gluten, dairy, and sugar. But those three, gluten, dairy, and soy, do you have any, how do people replace those and what are some of the best foods out there to replace those? Sure. And, and yeah, we always want to make sure we're meeting the person where they are. And um, some people, and that's why I have three diets in my cookbook. I have the gluten-free, dairy-free, and soy-free diet as a starting point um, so people can step up with that diet and they can remove more foods if they need to. Or they can start with something like the autoimmune paleo diet and then they can add more foods. Um, and, you know, every, everybody's going to be a little bit different. They're going to have different levels of what's comfortable for them and that's okay. Um, I know for some people saying they have to do the autoimmune paleo diet, they may delay their healing for, for years because they're not quite ready for that. But if you're like, okay, let's just take out, um, let's just swap out some some of the coconut milks for regular milk, that might be an easy thing for people to do where they just remove um, remove a potentially inflammatory food for them. And so I love that you give people those options and, and that you, you know, you kind of meet people where they are too. Cause I think that's a really important thing to, um, 
to honor in yourself is, is seeing where you are. Um, some of my favorite kind of replacements for, let's say, gluten-containing products, um, and there's different categories depending if you're doing autoimmune or paleo or intro, and I go through a lot of these in the cookbook, but um, for the autoimmune diet, cassava flour is amazing. So cassava flour can be used for baking. I have um, an autoimmune berry pie in the cookbook that's just with cassava flour um, and no other kinds of flours, and that's autoimmune friendly. It can be pretty much replaced one for one with regular um, flours and a lot of baked goods and recipes. And then let's say if you were doing spaghetti, I like spaghetti squash is going to be a, a wonderful alternative for autoimmune. For paleo, if you're doing that type of diet, almond flour is an excellent choice for a lot of people, unless, of course, they're almond sensitive, then that would not be a great choice. And that's, you know, you can eat bake fantastic muffins with that. Um, you can make various types of even cheeses. If you're avoiding dairy products, you could make cheeses with almonds. Um, if you're just on the intro diet, you could be a little bit more, um, you have a lot more options at that point. You can use things like uh, oats, you can use buckwheat, you can use quinoa. And there's a lot of um, potential, you know, if, if you, there's a lot of ways to make different types of breads and pastas and baked goods without gluten. Um, for dairy, one of my favorite go-tos is going to be coconut milk. So you can make coconut milk yogurt. You can make coconut ice cream. You can make um, various um, coconut oil instead of butter. It can be a bit of an acquired taste at first, but eventually, you know, within within a week or so your taste buds are going to adjust and you're not going to, some people are like, it's too tropical tasting. But if you have it just for five to seven days, you'll be able to adjust. And a lot of times the extra virgin ones will take care of that for you. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I think it's kind of funny because people ask me for soy replacements and I'm like, you know, like who's looking for a tofu replacement? Nobody's like, Oh my God, I love tofu so much. What can I eat instead of tofu? Right. Um, mm -hmm. But with, with soy, the biggest thing is, is looking at um, either almond milk or coconut milk and just really trying to avoid those processed foods. Excellent. So we've, we've gone over some of those foods and some of the replacements that people can use. And let's get into a few of your favorite recipes. So this is something that I think will help a lot of people. Um, obviously, there's cookbooks out there and, and your books, but let's go over some of your favorite recipes that, that people will like. And also for people who um, are looking for foods, because a lot of people, when they go you know, gluten-free and, and remove these things, they're they're worried that it's not going to taste good or that, you know, friends and family might not like it as well. So can you go through some of those for us? Sure. Um, one of the, one of the strategies that I did and, um, I initially, when I started the, my, my journey with food as medicine is, um, I used to actually, you know, I don't talk about it often, but I used to be quite the cook and quite the baker. And so I would oftentimes have dinner parties and I would, um, bring in a lot of foods to, to work and everybody was, was a big, you know, I was a big time foodie and everybody would always compliment me on my cooking. And when I wasn't eating gluten and dairy, it, it became kind of tough because it was a big part of my identity that 
went missing. So I really had to find a way to reinvent that part of myself and um, get more creative with, with different foods and figure out what I could eat myself and what I could serve to lots of other people too at the same time. And so a lot of the recipes you'll find are going to be traditional recipes that are either naturally gluten-free and dairy-free or can be really easily modified so that you can serve them at dinner parties and people won't even know, right? Um, one of them I have is paella. So the traditional paella is actually gluten-free and dairy-free and it's so easy to make. So you, you mix up, you cook up some rice and you mix up a bunch of different um, things that, you know, maybe some seafood, maybe different types of um, preservative-free sausages, peas, peppers, saffron is the key ingredient here. You mix that up and then you bake that with the rice. Um, and it can be really, really easy. Serves a big party um, of, of people. That, that's a great place to start. Um, carnitas. My husband makes excellent carnitas and these are um, these are very much crowd pleasers. So this is, this is um, boneless pork shoulder and um, you can make that in the oven and make a whole big batch of it and um, you can make tacos with it. You can, you can eat it by itself. There's, you know, it's, it's quite versatile. Um, these are some of my favorite recipes. Then I have some Polish recipes and Eastern European recipes that were inspired by family members that I've modified, such as stuffed cabbage rolls, um, and then we have bigos, which is Polish hunter's stew, as well as um, galaretka, which is, which is kind of like a secret healing recipe for the gut because it use, utilizes bone broth and gelatin all at once. Um, and it, some people have described it as, like as kind of like um, a chicken soup that you can take with you everywhere that's portable. Um, and of course, I have a lot of different desserts. I wasn't initially planning on doing desserts in the cookbook, but I was pregnant at the time. And so I thought, okay, we definitely need to add in some of my favorite desserts in here. And so we've got, we've got autoimmune friendly desserts, such as the, the berry pie that I talked about with cassava flour and um, various types of muffins and crepes and pies that you can utilize that are not going to send your blood sugar all over the place. And they're going to be a fantastic complement to, to your healing diet. Mm, excellent. Yeah, these sound these sound really I mean, even if somebody didn't have Hashimoto's, these recipes sound amazing. And I think one of the most important things in getting well, I know it's difficult when people are feeling down, but it's important to have some level of excitement about your uh your healing journey. And I think this is a book that can definitely create some excitement. A lot of the food is probably gonna be uh, tasting, you know, much better than what people were, were eating before, even when they were eating gluten and dairy and all these other things. So I'm excited about this book coming out. And uh, I think it's going to help a lot of people like, like your previous books. So how would you like people to find you online? Can you give everyone your, your website, any social media handles and things like that? Sure. So I'm, uh, my website is thyroidpharmacist.com. And then if people wanted to go to thyroidpharmacist.com slash gift, I'm giving away some recipes and some, um, a couple of guides. One of them is on nutrients. So how to utilize nutrients um, to, to address some of the deficiencies that we might have. And that can help address a lot of symptoms that are uh, pesky, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then my, 
my books can be found on Amazon or wherever books are sold. I also have a Facebook page. If you look up thyroid lifestyle, or if you look up uh, Dr. Isabella Wentz, thyroid pharmacist, you'll be able to find me. And I'm oftentimes on there just connecting with readers and offering little tidbits here and there. Every now and then um, I might pop up and do a Facebook live just to say hello and answer any questions. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming on, Dr. Wentz. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on, Dr. Hedberg, and thank you for the work you're doing in the world. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, so everyone listening, I highly recommend uh, Dr. Wentz's books and this new book. And go to drhedberg.com for all the show notes from today, and I'll have links to Dr. Wentz's website and her new books and all the things we talked about today. So thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. This is Dr. Hedberg, and I will talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Dr. Hedberg Show, you can support it by sharing each episode on your social media channels, like Facebook, and by leaving a review on iTunes. Please visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com to access the show notes and resources for today's episode.